late teens, early 20s, we'd hear about the coming of the Lord. And all my friends would say, oh, Lord Jesus, please wait till I get married. Anybody ever heard that prayer or know somebody that prayed it? Lord, don't come back till I get married. Then somebody said, three years later, two kids later in a mortgage, they're praying, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. (laughs) I can remember hearing many, many great messages about the coming of the Lord. And it seems it all stems from the focus on Israel. The focus on Israel. Matthew 24, the Lord told them, you know, when you see all these signs coming, then you know the end has come. And in that particular passage, he said, when you see If you know how to look at natural seasons and predict the season that's coming, be able to look at the spiritual seasons and know the season that you're in as well. He said, when you see the fig tree putting forth its leaf, its bud, then lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. In other words, that fig, that tree, that true vine was Israel. And so a lot of things that predicted the coming of the Lord were based around Israel. Let me give you a little few facts. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. In 1918, now, nobody in this room was born in 1918, I don't think. Anybody? No. In 1918, Lord Balfour of England put forth a declaration that the land of Palestine where the English troops had occupied fighting against the Arabs and the, the, the Palestinian people of that time and, and hewn out a place of refuge. He declared Israel is going to have this land. Israel is going to have the Balfour Declaration. Everybody say 1918. Okay. In 1948, it actually happened. Jews from all over the world began to come back to that area to reestablish the Jewish nation. Now, in in the Bible, the word generation is used a lot. Now, there are several variations of the definition of generation. Uh, Many think uh, 30 years is a generation. You you know, you get married, you have a kid, and then the next generation starts. Then 50 50 years is a sign of a generation. Then, you know, your kids get married, and there's another generation starting. And then 70 years is considered as a generation by many people as well. So you got 30, 50, and, and what was it? 70. So here we are in 1918, 30 years later, Israel's coming back to Palestine. They hadn't been there in a long, long time. What do you think this whole world's thinking? What do you think the Christians are thinking? They're thinking the end's about to come. But those 30 years happened, Israel occupied the land again, nothing happened. Then, that was 48. Then in 68, there was a six-day world war. All of the Arab nations all turned their guns, tanks, jets, everything on Israel and attacked them to drive them into the sea. Folks, we're looking at 50 years after Lord Balfour's declaration and everybody in 68 is thinking, Jesus is coming back now. Now, how many of y'all remember that? Jesus is coming back now. Man, I was a, I, I was a sophomore in high school and I thought... I'm not going to get to graduate because the Lord's coming back. I thought he was coming back then. But miraculously, God turned all the weapons of the Arab world 
as non-effective and the Israelis drove them out and they regained much territory they had lost before. Then, uh, sometime later, in 88, that's 70 years later, how many remember hearing about the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988? Y'all remember that? I'm telling you what. We were all getting ready for the coming of the Lord. We were all thinking any day it could happen. I really thought, I really thought any day Jesus could come back. And I always had this picture in my mind. How many of you have seen these beautiful, beautiful uh, skies where the clouds are just thick and all of a sudden they break open and just a beam of sunshine comes through? Y'all seen those? When I was a kid, I looked behind the, every cloud like that. I thought that's the one Jesus is on right there. But it didn't happen. But is it going to happen? It didn't happen in 88. It didn't happen in 98. Well, all of a sudden, we have a new, a new occasion at Y2K. How many remember this one? Boy, was the Lord coming back then for sure. I mean, all our computers are going to crash. We're going to lose everything we've got. We started stocking up tomato sauce and dried peas. You know, everybody got in the bunker mentality. Oh, yeah, that's what we need to do. Get in a bunker mentality and go hide ourselves and take our guns. And anybody that comes to try to get our food, we shoot them in the name of Jesus. That's not what God had in mind, is it? 2000. What about 9-11? Did anybody feel vulnerable then? What about when our nation came out so divided in the elections and it took months to sort out actually who was going to win? Now here we are again and we're looking at such a divided nation. And you know that's one of the signs of the end? We're looking at a, a nation at, at, in our country. We're looking at people that are really considering turning their back totally on the nation of Israel. And when they do, folks, we don't have any more role in this generation. So I want to talk to you about the return of Christ. I want to talk to you about some things at the end. And, and basically, we're going to talk about some things that if you're not a Christian, they're going to sound bizarre. They're going to sound so weird and so foreign that this is not really ever going to really happen, is it? But if you're a Christian in your heart, you're hoping it's going to happen. Amen. And you want to be ready when it happens in Jesus' name. A few basics. The Bible is a collection of 66 different books that have been written by 40 authors. Over 20% of this Bible is devoted to prophecy. Out of every five pages you turn, one of them is dedicated to prophecy. What's amazing to me there are five times more prophecies in this book about the second coming of Christ than there are about his first coming. And I have news for you. His first coming really happened, didn't it? Can you say amen? We have five times more prophecies in this Bible about his second coming than his first coming. So this week, what I want to do is just in the next few minutes, I want to lay a foundation Next week, we want to talk a little, about, a little bit about heaven and what that's going to be like when we're there with the Lord. And then in the, the last weeks of the Lord, uh, uh, allow us, 
We're going to take some snapshots from the book of Revelation to see where we are in time and relative to our lives here in our generation. Now, when you look at, everybody say the rapture, the rapture. Now, the word rapture is not literally written in the Bible, but the concept and the teaching of the rapture, the catching away is. Now, there are four basic teachings on the, 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 the rapture when the Lord's coming back. There's pre-trib, everybody say pre-trib. Now, that means people believe that Jesus is going to come back before the tribulation, the great tribulation begins. Then you have people that believe in the mid-trib. And guess what they believe? They believe that in the middle of the great tribulation, Jesus is coming back. Then you have people that are post-trib. You got that. They are the people that believe that it's going to come after the great tribulation ends. And then they have what they call the pan-trib. You know what that is? Those people just believe it's all going to pan out. I want to turn your attention today to the word of the Lord in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The scriptures say, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. If I say something you believe, you can say amen. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, according to the Lord's own word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we all, so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Turn to somebody and say, Be encouraged. There's a hope we have as Christians. And, and folks, this is not a message for the dead. People, they, they say, oh, we, we hear this at funerals. Well, at a funeral, it won't do the person that's deceased any good. This is a message for the living and for the believing to understand. There is a hope in Christ's return. Amen. And that's what separates us from everything else. Christians believe Jesus died for us. Brother Andrew, you said it so well. His righteousness brought us an ability to live eternal life with him in glory. Amen. So, we look and we believe that as a Christian, there is going to be a return. Christ is coming again. John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will He'll do what? He will come back. Everybody say, he will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me that you can also be where I am. Folks, wherever Jesus is right now, we're going to be there very soon. He's preparing that place for us. Amen. Now, the greeting in the early church when they met one another, it, they would greet each other with this word, Maranatha. 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 And you're supposed to say, Maranatha. that's right, Maranatha. Maranatha. 
Maranatha. And I'd be, it'd be high fives. Mar- Maranatha. Everybody say, Maranatha. Now say it like you know what it means. Say, Maranatha. You know what it means? It means our Lord comes wherever they met one another. Our Lord comes. And you know what that did? That would encourage them if they had been beaten that night because they were a Christian. They would encourage them if they'd had a loved one that was slaughtered because of their faith. They would say, our Lord comes. I've got news for somebody today, news for all of us. Our Lord is coming. Amen. Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. They look forward to his return. He went on to write in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That doesn't mean that guy's snoring next to you right now. And maybe he'll be in it, but it's not talking about people bored or sleeping during church. Sort of like the, the, the time I heard about a pastor, he looked at the usher and he said, would you reach over and wake that man up, please? The usher said, pastor, you put him to sleep, would you wake him up? So I hope nobody has to be woken up today. But it's talking about Christians who died. It's the same word used when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus and talking about Lazarus, he's just sleeping. Yes, he's dead, he's deceased. But in the eyes of the Lord, he's just sleeping. And we learn in verse 16 of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is true. It's a reality. It's going to happen. When God speaks, he speaks in a lot of ways. He has spoken in light forms. He's spoken in, and the firmaments are des- designed. He whispers, and a prophet hears his voice. A trumpet sounds. Michael. Michael cries out. The Lord himself shouts out. Folks, when this happens, it's going to be the greatest shout of victory that's ever been given. Jesus is coming back. Maranatha. It's going to be the loudest shout because it's the greatest victory ever. No power in death, hell, or the grave. They've been conquered through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now, I want to tell you this. This is not the resurrection of all the dead. This will come later. This is the resurrection of those who have died in Christ. This is a resurrection of a born-again believer who has died, been buried, cremated, scattered across the ocean, maybe inside a jaw somewhere. It doesn't matter where they are, but when Christ comes back, they're going up. Amen. It doesn't matter. They're going up. Now, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. Which one? First. The second death have no power over them. Andrew was walking all over it this morning. Because of Adam, we all died. But because of Jesus, we can all live. We're born once in the likeness of Adam. We're born again in the likeness of Jesus Christ. 
We're born once in the likeness of Adam and we're going to die twice. We're going to die a natural death and a spiritual death. We're born twice, once in the way of Adam and the other in the power of Jesus Christ. We will only die one death. We will never die the spiritual death, but we will live an eternal life. Y'all, pardon me, I'm just too excited. There used to be an old saying, and I don't want to do a lot of cliches, but it says you're born once and you die twice. But you die, tw- you die twice and you're, you're born twice, you only die once. How many of you have been born again today? Aren't you glad you've been born again? So the Lord is coming back. And he's going to call the dead in the earth that are born again believers up first. Then when they're called up, We that are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up. They call that part the rapture. Everybody say caught up. The Bible says in verse 17, after that, we who are still alive, hey, say, that's us. That's us. And our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Oh, what a day, what a morning, what an evening, what a time that's going to be. The trump is going to sound. The dead are going to rise. Then we are going to rise. Wouldn't it be awesome if it was today? Just right out of here, we go right up to heaven. My goodness, God is so good. Caught up, it means to seize, to snatch, to move away quickly. Let me give you an example. Several years ago when I was just a young, young, young guy, I think I was about 12 years old, Brother Jim's parents were uh, getting ready to move into a house up on the hill there in Gatman, and uh, they had an open well, and for whatever reason, they had opened that well that day to do some work or whatever, and they left it open, and Jim's little sister, Jackie, she was just barely able to walk at that time. And she was out playing, and she made a run right for that open well. And just before she got to that open well, I, I saw it. I, I don't know why I did it, just out of instinct, but I ran as fast as I could. And I, 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 I grabbed her by her arms and just grabbed her and threw myself around and rolled on the ground. I snatched her. Everybody snatched her. So I snatched her. I snatched her. I seized her. I caught her up, and I pulled her away from that well. I, I, I never thought about that, ever, but about two or three years ago, Jim's mom, Ann Evelyn, was saying, you know what, Stanley, I was thinking the other day, you remember, and I said, Ann Evelyn, I don't really remember it happening, but I snatched her away from harm, I snatched her away from the death that she was going to, and folks, one of these days, the power of God's going to come across the sky, and we're going to feel just snatched up into eternity with God, seized, caught away, taken up to a place of safety. Amen. Matthew 24 gives us some insight on some things. How's it going to be when the Lord comes back? Is everybody just going to be all huddled up in a cave or they're all going to be locked up somewhere in their privacy or what's going to happen? Folks, life's going to be going like it Always is going. Look at this. Matthew 24, verse 39. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, and one shall be taken, the other left. 
So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. It's going to be like this. Two guys are on the job. They may be running patrol together. And the trumpet sounds. The dead rise. And all of a sudden that believer in the pair is going to be gone. Could be two ladies that are are, they're out shopping for new baby clothes at Carter's. They're just walking down the aisle together. One's a believer, one's not a believer. One's born again, one's one's not born again. When that trumpet sounds, the dead are raised, and then the voice of God calls the rest of us. One's going to be taken, one's going to be left. I can tell you this. I don't want to be left behind. Can I tell you, I don't want my children or their children left behind. Can I tell you, I don't want you left behind. I want it to be a reunion. I want it to be a family gathering there. Amen. Man, I was just thinking this morning, I, 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 I was a pushover. I, I, I'm going to tell Grandy and Mama and Dada. I was a pushover this morning. I was in the hall and I uh, heard a familiar cry. It wasn't the, the cry from the sky. It was a cry from the nursery. I just spent a week with that little darling and I thought, oh my goodness, Pop-Pop can make that stop. So Pop-Pop went to make it stop. I did everything I could to distract her from her frustration and let her enjoy our time, and so we did. I got a confession to make. If you met me in my truck in the parking lot, Adele was in it with me. We were riding back to the church in my truck. Just, uh, I was so carnal, I did it. But you know, I, I got to thinking about this message. I thought, God, I don't want this baby left behind. God, I don't want parents left behind. I don't want any of our church family. God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to preach whatever you lay on my heart about being ready for the coming of the Lord. Folks, if he came this very moment, would you go? Would you stay? And I want, I want, to, send a sound, I want to send a certain sound here today. The resurrection of the dead is not just for whoever, whoever thinks it's a good idea. The Bible says they that are righteous have part in the first resurrection. Amen. They that are righteous have part in the first resurrection. Thank God we're made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, but we have to have the blood of the Lamb applied. Amen. What have you been waiting for? You waiting to see who's going to be elected president? You waiting to see how the economy is going to turn? You waiting to see how this is going to work out? But let me just tell you something. According to the scripture, according to the scripture, your children are clean because you believe. How important is it to you that you and your children are ready to be in heaven? How important your children are clean because of your faith. Your children are clean because of your righteousness that God has endowed you with. 
That's why as a parent, you can't meander around or dilly-dally in sin and go back and forth, hot and cold, up and down, in or out. You need to stay steady with God because your children are covered by what God's been doing in your life. Don't leave your family uncovered. Can I get an amen? But cover them. Cover them. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Now I have a question for you. Brother Steve, what's a thief in the night come like? Really quiet. Nobody's expecting it then except a good policeman. (laughs) They come when nobody's anticipating it. Oh, I've heard that since I was a child. As a matter of fact, I haven't heard it in a while. It's not popular now to preach about the coming of the Lord because it makes people a little bit anxious. Folks, I'm anxious, all right, but it's anxious and in anticipation. I want to go. But if that trumpet sounded right now, would your seat be empty? What is it in your life right now that would make you want to miss heaven? What's so good about this life that's better than that life? There's not an addiction better. There's not a relationship better. There's not a job better. There's not a bank account better. There's nothing better than the joy of the Lord that awaits the children of God when that trumpet sounds. Amen. Amen. Well, here's the beautiful part about it. I'm closing in just a moment, Brother Andrew. Going back to verse 17 and 18, Paul said it like this. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been to a foster reunion in this room? Okay, yeah. Hold them up. Keep them up. Look at that. That's right. That's probably one of the largest family reunions that happens inside in our church family. But Brother Butch, I've noticed there aren't as many as there used to be. We have our family reunions. I notice my dad and all of his brothers are already gone into eternity. But there's a promise in this verse about a reunion that will never wane. A reunion that will never end. Verse 17 and 18, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. You know who them is referring to? Our deceased loved ones who have died in Christ. Sister Marie Burleson, man, I know. Wow. Sister Brown, just... Mom and Daddy Hill. My mind just starts flooding with names, faces, and people. They're going to be there. Woo! They're going to be there. They really are. You see, we get so desensitized by this generation because Hollywood has a good way of taking things that aren't real and making them seem real. I read something the other day that there's a, a growing percentage of people that think someday we're all going to wake up out of our virtual reality. 
I'm serious. They have a way of taking things that aren't real and making them as though they are real. Then they take things that are real and try to make fiction out of them. Desensitize our generation to the supernatural because they don't get it. But folks, the coming of the Lord is real. The raising of the dead in Christ is real. The catching away of the bride of Christ, it's real. It's the truth. Why? There are five times more prophecies about that than Jesus' first coming. He is coming again. Man. Amen. Here's what it says. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. Everybody say, it will sound. And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't worry about death. We don't worry about the grave. We don't worry about hell because we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's coming soon. And then it goes on to say this. Therefore, my dear brethren and sisters, stand firm. Look at your neighbor and say, stand firm. Don't let go. Don't slack up now. Don't back up now. Stand firm. Then he says, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's praise God because He keeps a record of everything. Amen. 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 Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Are you doing what you really feel like you should be doing when the trumpet sounds? Are you engaged with God's will and purpose in those things that you want to be doing when the trumpet sounds? Or are there some things that are weighting it down, pulling back, making it more difficult each day the Bible says seeing we're so compassed about with such a great a cloud of witnesses let's lay aside every weight every sin that does so easily beset us let us run with patience the race that is set before